0: Heavy petting here on Clip Central uh, with myself, Leanne Moll, every Wednesday from 10 until 11. And uh, we've got a full studio today. Everyone's already here, so it's all very exciting. Um, first, well, we want to talk a little bit about um, the Ebola crisis and how it's affecting animals and um, not even animals who are infected, but their owners who have been infected with Ebola and are now being taken away from their pets. In some cases, the pets being euthanized with without any studies being done first. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also talk about what animal testing is being done on Ebola as well. Um, very exciting news. We have world-renowned animal psychic Amelia Kinkader, who's here today. She is going to be reading I think I can say and analyzing and making friends she already has with a little doggy called Violet who's been brought in here by Samantha Burrell Mm -hmm. and um, it was very short notice so thank you very much for bringing her in. Even though it was short notice she looks beautiful and well groomed and um, obviously is the whole time, which looks stunning.
1: Thank you so much.
0: We've also got the Heels Pet Slimmer of the Year competition on at the go at the moment, and we've got somebody who knows all about this and has been with the program since it started, Dr. Guy Fivey. Um, we look again at the world's most intelligent dogs. We're on to number four now, um, as far as I can remember. Uh, Lorne Sulcus, he's the guy who does talks on a whole lot of um, – um corporates who compare themselves and he encourages them to compare themselves to wild cats so the lion uh, the cheetah and the leopard we found out more about that and uh yeah some 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 crazy news of a british parrot who disappeared for four years and came back speaking panish spanish panish i speak panish panish is my language (laughs) so yes heavy petting thank you very much for being here with us um and let's get right into doggy style um Something that I've mentioned already is that Ebola is becoming a huge thing worldwide and we want to know how it's affecting animals. Well, a dog owned by a Spanish nurse who became the first person to contract Ebola in Europe was put down a few days ago by order of health officials in Madrid. And this was despite a furious campaign by animal lovers. So the nurse, her name Teresa Romero. She contracted the disease from a missionary priest who actually died. Um, Her 12-year-old rescue dog Excalibur was destroyed as a precautionary measure by authorities battling to limit the spread of the disease. But this decision obviously enraged animal rights protesters, including Peter. Um, The protesters themselves clashed with police as they blockaded the apartment building where the dog had been locked up since both its owners were quarantined. The nurse's husband made an impassioned plea on video from the hospital um, asking that the dog be saved. Um, the, a petition, in fact, organized online at change.org was approaching 400,000 signatures at the time. Now, world experts on Ebola have argued that the dog should be kept alive, even if infected, so that it could be um, taken time, so that time could be taken to further understand the virus. Um, and in fact, Eric Leroy, who studied Ebola transmission between dogs and humans in Gabon in 2001, recommended keeping him in quarantine and under observation in a specific site but not killing him. However, the um, uh, killing went ahead. Um, And we want to know now, can dogs get Ebola and can they transfer this virus to humans? Here's Trace from DNews with more.
2: Ebola is in the news everywhere. It's devastating West Africa, and it rarely turns up elsewhere. But the public outside of Africa is still freaking out. A man in Dallas has died, and 48 people are being monitored in that city. Ebola's transmission is limited to people who have come in direct contact with someone who has Ebola. Someone is usually how it's worded by the CDC. But unfortunately, it's not just people who can become infected. The nurse in Spain who is infected with Ebola has been under quarantine since October 6th. Since it takes two days to three weeks to show symptoms, she definitely exposed her dog, Excalibur, to the virus, and in response, the government of Madrid wanted to euthanize her pet. It's not unusual for a virus to be present in humans and other animals. We are just another animal, after all. And according to our sister site, discoverynews.com, the virus has been detected in chimpanzees, gorillas, fruit bats, monkeys, antelopes, porcupines, rodents, dogs, and pigs, and of course, humans. Ebola is what is called a zoonotic disease, or a virus that is not confined to one species. Scientists found that man's best friend can become infected after an Ebola outbreak flared up in Gabon in 2001. A study in 2005 by the CDC found that several dogs were exposed to the virus by eating infected animals. The CDC sampled blood from almost 500 dogs in both Gabon and back in France, and found that 2% of French dogs had the Ebola virus, and 25% of dogs in villages around the outbreak had it. Frighteningly, dogs don't get symptoms and it doesn't seem to kill them either, so there's no way anyone can tell if a dog has it without sampling their blood. The question is, can those other animals transmit the virus to us? Do we have to come in contact with their bodily fluids to get it too? and scientists aren't exactly sure. Lab tests suggested that the Ebola virus is found in dog fluids, feces, urine, blood, saliva, and drool, though dogs don't have sweat glands, so there's that. Based on that, though, humans could theoretically become infected if a dog carrying Ebola licked their face, though the science isn't 100%. There are no reported cases of dogs spreading Ebola to humans, and Excalibur would not have been able to reinfect his owners, as there has never been a case of a human being infected did twice. With regard to other pets, there's never been a documented case of a cat with the virus at all. So, cat owners, you're good. Pet lovers of the world did create an online petition to save Excalibur. Sadly, they were not able to save the dog, who they felt should have been studied or put into quarantine, just like his master.
0: Well, now, in a very similar case in America, Uh, A nurse in Dallas, Texas, is also in isolation after being infected with Ebola. But officials are treating her case completely differently and her dog very differently. It seems that Bentley, the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, might not suffer the same tragic fate as Excalibur in Spain. Bentley is in a safe place and is in the care of the city of Dallas at an undisclosed location. Dallas Animal Services will oversee Bentley's care over the next few weeks while he's being monitored for Ebola. Now, his owner, who is a 26-year-old nurse, Nina Pham, was admitted to hospital on the weekend with a fever after treating a Liberian man who fell ill after arriving in Texas. It's still unclear how the transmission occurred. And FAM is the first patient to contract the disease on U.S. soil. Now, moving away from animals who are at risk of Ebola, we look now at animals that have been tested in order to find a cure for Ebola. Uh, Obviously, as the virus spreads, scientists are racing to develop a vaccine. And um, can animal testing cure Ebola? Well, Animalist News now explains how testing an Ebola vaccine on on monkeys may hold the key to protecting humans from the deadly virus.
3: Hey, I'm Alex Farnham, and this is Animalist News. According to a recent story from Texas Public Radio, scientists at the Texas Biomedical Research Institute have been trying to find a vaccine for Ebola for over 10 years, which includes testing on macaques. Scientists say that these monkeys have immune systems that are comparable to humans and that their Ebola symptoms are similar to ours. Now that's probably because they share a big chunk of the same genome. Now the Humane Society has concerns about this testing saying that there are animal welfare laws being broken. But scientists insist that without using macaques, there's no other possible way to find a vaccine. Now, there are only six facilities in North America that are actually allowed to work with the Ebola virus. And those are classified as level four biosafety labs, the highest level of precaution for working with the most dangerous agents. They're airtight and highly secure, so don't worry. One of these labs in Canada, where Wearvac, Vaccines have also been tested on primates has progressed to testing the vaccine on humans. Results of this vaccine are expected in December and then may be tested on humans in West Africa. However, if the conditions remain unchanged for Ebola, the projected cases could be over a million by mid-January 2015, according to the Center for Disease Control. That's less than four months. So the ethical question we face is, are the tests on these macaques worth finding a vaccine? Could there be another way?
0: Lots of questions raised by this entire issue, and I'm sure lots of opinions too. If you do have any, please message us to the show directly on WeChat on the Cliff Central um, official account. And, um, right, so... Continuing doggy style on heavy petting here, um, we've all done this. We've all looked into our dog's or cat's eyes. We've all wondered what they're thinking. And sometimes we even ask them out loud, what are you thinking? And it works the other way around too. I mean, I've often found when I, I talk to my pets and I can see that he's really, really trying to understand. He's trying so hard to understand what I'm saying. Um, but he's not really getting it. Well, somebody who does get it and, um, I don't know, makes the rest of us feel a little bit silly because she knows so much is Amelia Kincaid, who is a renowned animal whisperer. She is a worldwide known um, pet psychologist and animal psychologist. And, I mean, she's just summing she's just her. Her entire scope spreads way beyond dogs and cats. Um, she works with animals all over the world and with people all over the world, traveling the world, um, lecturing, and in fact, that's what brings her to South Africa right now. Welcome
4: to you, Amelia. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you so much. I wasn't expecting to open my mouth and already be crying. Oh, dear. But <laughs> that introduction brought some tears to my eyes already. Um I'm teaching here in Johannesburg this weekend, Mm -hmm. and one of the things I find in South Africa is the most amazing animal lovers come out Mm. to see me. And I think one of the reasons, uh, everywhere I go in the world, people ask, are are there some countries that are more conducive to being able to communicate with animals? And here in Africa, you live with these animals. I mean, this is the only place where you're still in the Garden of Eden, Mm. where we can drive an hour even from Johannesburg and be in Palanisburg where there are elephants. You know, where there are giraffes. I'm leading a safari after I teach here in Joburg, and the lions will be waiting for the truck, and they'll be waiting to show me the babies. The leopards bring me their cubs. So how often do you
0: come to South Africa?
4: This year I'm coming twice, so I'll be back in June leading another safari, hopefully maybe teaching again in Joburg. I go on and teach in Cape Town the beginning of uh, December, and I find here that people are extraordinarily gifted, and they have enormous breakthroughs in my seminars.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it's this is something that um, a lot of people really want to be part of. And it's really great that normal people can. It's not just a panel of experts and
4: um, something that's closed off to the public. Anyone can can attend. Absolutely. Absolutely, and there's still space. So those of you that are listening, it's, uh, listed on my site, which is just my name. It's www.ameliakinkade.com. K-I-N-K-A-D-E.com. And, uh, this weekend workshop will take place in Kailami with horses. Oh, fantastic. Oh, <laughs> really wonderful. Like,
0: I mean, you've worked with, you've worked with tigers, you've worked with, giraffes, I've seen pictures of you with giraffes, with, oh. with all sorts of animals. Um, and the
4: Olympic show team, which is uh, extraordinary fantastic. that they trust yeah. me. The horses in Buckingham Palace, which is extraordinary that they trust me. Yeah. And uh, the truth is, some of these animals, I don't know everything there is to know about horses. I know something about love. Mm. I don't know everything there is to know about tigers or lions or sharks or penguins. But I know something about love. And when we are able to access that spirit within us, when we're able to acknowledge that there's a space within us beyond thought, beyond emotion, where we can actually align with this creator and acknowledge the fact something divine created us. And that divine spirit is in the spirit of every single animal everywhere. They're all thinking. They're all feeling. Mm. They all have emotions. Um, and we, we don't give them enough credit.
0: I'm sitting here looking at little Violet's face, which is so full with expression. Um, Duncan, our producer, is, is notoriously scared of dogs and he's quite, he's quite obsessed. He's taking lots of pictures of Violet and Violet's loving it too. Um, yeah, so Violet is here with Sam, her owner. And um, she has come today specifically to, to chat to Amanda and for Amanda to please reveal what she's chatting to you about. It's a, Amelia. <laughs> Amelia, oh, I'm sorry. It's Gosh, okay. You know how often I do this? Do it with my own name.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, when I walked in the door and I looked into the eyes of this remarkably sensitive, beautiful little dog, we have its elegant, elegant little dog here. And I open with a question that I always open with and what I teach my students to open with, which is a positive question. Now, I'm going to connect to her in a quantum process, which involves unconditional love. If I can silence my mind, if I can silence my emotions so completely that I could imagine that I am her, that I could look out her eyes and experience the world through her point of view, that's what I teach. So when I, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to use the words, ask her. But, and told me, because that's the easiest way to describe this. Now, what I'm doing is picking up pictures, feeling feelings, seeing thoughts in her mind, feeling sensations in her body. And when I walked in the door, I said, uh, are you in love with another dog? She said, no, it's a cat.
0: She's in love with a cat?
4: She said, my best friend's a cat. And I said, are you sure you don't have another dog that you're in love with? She said, absolutely not. My, my great love is a cat.
0: And now, Sam, can you vouch for this? Yes, I can.
5: <laughs> she's, she's so close with our cat, it's actually frightening, so definitely.
0: Who
4: loves who more, the cat or the dog?
5: I think the cat loves the dogs more, <laughs> funny enough. Nah,
4: I don't know, I don't know. And then I said, what, who else do you love? And she said, Sam and Danny. I love Danny. So, Sam, do you have somebody in your life named Danny?
5: There's the one guy that works on the farm where I stay. And yeah. his name's Danny, and she's absolutely besotted with the guy. He can come into the property, and she's fine with him. It's one of the yeah. only guys. So, that's
4: amazing. It's, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> and Sam, you had said to me that you're concerned. I said, what, what, what are you worried about with this dog? What do you need help with? And you said, that She's very sound sensitive. And when I tuned into her and I said, What's going on? That they think you're too sound sensitive. She said, I want you to tell them that I can save their lives that I can hear intruders blocks away, that I can alert them when their lives are in danger. They need me to be able to hear things that they can't hear. Ryan
0: right at the watchdog. She did this
5: three weeks ago. Oh, yeah? We had two intruders actually standing at our kitchen window, and they'd opened up all the windows, and she just gave this, like, warning bark Yeah. Twice, And... Um, yeah, she alerted us to them. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known. And it would have probably gotten into the house.
0: And being on a small holding, I mean, this is something that's yes. absolutely essential. That's Drift. So Much better than any
4: alarm system. The best. Yeah. So she's a little protector, too. Yeah, big protector they can hear things we could never hear in our wildest dreams. Mm. They can smell things that are so beyond our comprehension. They could tell you if a man's walking two blocks away who has smells like gunpowder, who has alcohol in his breath, who's never been in that neighborhood before. And that you can hear as they alert each other throughout the neighborhood. When you hear the dogs barking in the middle of the night and it's spreading down the street, Mm. they're saying, oh, there's a man who just climbed over the fence and he has a little brother with him and they they have guns. And they are so much smarter than we are. They're so much more sensitive and their senses are so much more keen. Mm. It's absolutely crazy that humans think that we're better than them in any way.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is something that us heavy peters have always Stood by, and um, I mean, science has proven this for us um, in, in terms of their sensory perceptions and, and what they're able to pick up. Um, and obviously, not only dogs, but we're talking about all animals everything, uh, dolphins, um, a whole lot of animals that you've worked with yourself.
4: Everything. And e- even when you think of the way bees communicate and what they're capable of, it's phenomenal or monarch butterflies, or sea turtles, Uh, they're all so connected to the earth and to their own innate intelligence. One of the things they can teach people, in the simplest of terms, is just how to be happy, how to be Mm. grateful and enjoy your life. And that's what dogs and cats and horses are constantly trying to do, is trying to heal us. And the first step for humans is to learn how to listen. If mm. we can listen to the animals, um when I asked this dog about her past, she said that she had been with a family that abandoned her and that she spent some time wandering on the street. And mm. it's just devastating. And then she she ended up getting caught and put in a pound where she had a hysterectomy. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, because God knows we have to do that. Yeah. But for her then to be in a cage with no painkillers, Wondering if anyone was ever going to come for her. It was her idea of hell. Yeah. She was certain that, that her life was over. She couldn't be in more pain. Another reason she's so sound sensitive. All the dogs barking that were just deafening. And then you came, Sam.
0: Where did you, where did you find her, Sam? I'm at the Ramberg SPCA. And did you go specifically because you wanted to find a homeless doggy?
5: Yeah, look, my um, great Dan Cross-Burble died of cancer. And I went to go and see if there was maybe something else. And I'd, I'd actually picked a dog.
0: Yeah. Off of I've, what off of the internet.
5: No, as I was walking I was oh, yeah. No, definitely
0: this one and I thought,
5: Well let me just walk along and there she was standing on these other two poor dogs' heads trying to get out the gates to get to me. It was like love at first sight, so Oh man. That was that was how I got her. Don't
0: you don't you find that, Amelia? I mean, um it happened to me where every animal that I've ever gone to a shelter to find, they find me. They'll be the ones clambering on top of each other or climbing up the fence. <laughs> they do.
4: Yeah. They do. Yeah. And uh it brings on questions of reincarnation that, as crazy as it may sound, it's part of the natural world. It's part of physics. That energy disperses, and then it comes back together in a new form. That's how our universe works. And everywhere I go, every day, I have people who are certain that they have the same animal that they've had before. And when they ask me, have I had this animal before? And if that animal says, yes, I was the... You know, orange and white cat that died last March of kidney failure. And then the person says, oh, my God, I had an orange and white cat who died last <laughs> March of kidney failure. This actually happened. This is a great and funny story. Yeah. One of my clients uh, brought me a ferret. So I was teaching, and our guest teacher, there'll be teachers this weekend in, in Joburg, dogs and cats and horses, provided. So the students, I'd like you to bring photographs that we can learn. I can teach you how to read the photographs. But in this case, the woman brought me a ferret. And <laughs> a funny, funny little thing. I love them. Yeah. And the ferret said, tell her I was the black and white dog that died last May. I mean, that's really specific. Yeah, it's real specific. Yeah. That sat on the, the, the white floral couch. And I told her and the woman burst into tears. And I asked the ferret, why did you come back as a ferret? And he said, because she's not allowed to have dogs. And oh, she said she had moved. She moved into a new apartment building where she wasn't allowed to have dogs. Gosh, so I'm so she st- gets a ferret. Yeah. But see, consciousness is consciousness, no matter what form it takes. If every single animal is thinking, feeling, intelligent, emotional, complicated, if we acknowledge that, that's the starting point
1: mm.
4: of being able to have this conversation.
0: Now, Amelia, you have these conversations with animals, um, worldwide, as we've said. And what, I know that you're involved in, you've been involved in animal charities all your life and you now have your very own.
4: I'm starting something. This, I mean, as we speak and it's so exciting. I'm going up into Zambia to talk to the kids in the schools. And these are children that could grow up to be poachers if we don't get to them first. Mm. So the charity is called Amelia's Archangel Society, ARK. And the focus is going to be about educating children about animals and hopefully in time that can extend to disaster relief. I want to be able to go in and rescue animals like these animals whose, whose owners have died of Ebola and those animals have nowhere to go. Yeah. Or if there's another hurricane, Katrina, or a tsunami, which is inevitable. Someone has to be there for the animals. But in the meantime, every time I come to Africa, people say, what do we do about the rhinos? And the only thing that can be done is that we go in and talk to the children in the schools so that five years from now, ten years from now, when these children are in control of this world, they're going to make different choices. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. It's um, it's
0: education from a a grassroots level and also addressing poverty in in South Africa. I think that's the big driver of, of rhino poaching here. Um, Amelia, I'm sitting looking at two of your books. Um, I know that you've you've done this all your life, all your adult life. Um, you've been involved in this for years and years. I mean, for instance, the Straight from the Horse's Mouth. Was
4: this not one of your first? That came out in 2001 mm-hmm. and uh, got published all over the world, which was uh, shocking. <laughs> it was shocking. You didn't expect that? Oh, my goodness, no. No, no, I didn't expect that. And now I can tell you one of... One of the biggest honors of my life is getting emails from Korean children, saying that they no longer want to eat dogs and cats. Yeah, because of that book. Jeez, if I can get published in China, maybe we can finally start getting somewhere with tiger conservation.
0: Yes, and um, also looking at speaking of rhinos and looking at um, cultures involving rhino horn and that sort of thing right. ac- across across the um, Asian countries as well. Um, and another book of yours here, The Language of Miracles, which has a beautiful uh, Great Dane, spotty Great Dane on, on the cover. Um, and this is um, it's called The Celebrated Psychic.
4: It teaches you to talk to animals. Can it? Yes, it can. And uh, on my website, the books are available on Amazon. And I also have a page that has meditations, downloads, instruction from these books for those of you that can't come to the seminar this weekend. So if they go to my website, they'll see a a multitude of new videos that I've posted. And I'm going to be developing a webinar series this year so that I can speak to my students all over the world. And it's phenomenal to be able to get online and have you'll you'll be talking to people in Japan, Korea, Brazil, Germany, Norway, Switzerland, England, Ireland, Scotland, Spain, Italy. Paris. It's it's incredible. It's a little bit of a global revolution now that everyone is starting to discover that we have abilities that we never knew we had before as human beings and that these abilities can be developed. Well, um,
0: if you are interested, as mentioned, go to Amelia's website, ameliakingkate.com. And um, just to note that it is this weekend at Glen in Kailami. And then she'll be back in December. Um, in Cape Town. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today. And, um, all the best with, with your weekend. Um, I've got a little message from our listeners on WeChat saying, I work at an aquarium and I have a penguin that loves me. We've tried to get him a mate, but he has only eyes for me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Very sweet. Oh my this goodness. Is, this, this is
4: I, my. I keynoted a Sanco charity event last <laughs> time I was in Cape Town couple of years ago and they they actually let me do a penguin penguin release as they oh, rescue yeah. the, pe- the orc- orphan penguins and they de-oiled the penguins so th- this is pretty amazing
0: yeah oh man what a little, cute little story thank you very much michelle okay and thank you very much to violet who is now thank goodness understood and we know that she has a very best friend in the form of a cat and a human friend too. So um, thank you very much, Sam, for bringing <laughs> Violet in. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, you too, Thanks, thank Amelia. You. Thank all the best. Thank you so much. Okay, let's uh, take a little breather. And when we come back, more doggy style and a little bit of what's new, Pussycat, because we'll be talking about pets battling the bulge. <laughs>
1: Tumbling down in the city that we love Great clouds roll over the hills Bringing darkness from above But if you close your eyes
0: Heavy petting on Cliff Central with myself, Leanne Mole, every Wednesday, 10 until 11 a.m. Um, and we've been speaking to the animal psychic and all round do gooder, Amelia Kincaid, who has been telling us what our animals are thinking. And I know what my animals think all the time, and that's food. <laughs> <laughs> which, which brings in perfect timing with Dr. Ka- Guy Fivey Who has been working on um, the Heels Pet Nutrition South African um, competition For the Pet Slimmers of the year And that's been for how many years now?
6: I think we've been going for 16 years. And so in
0: 16 years, you've seen a lot of animals go from really big to really small.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had some amazing. It's more the story behind the, uh, the weight loss and, and the, the change in the animals. That's, uh, that's great to see.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, you get these lovely before and after pictures of people who, yeah. who've lost their weight. And it's, it's al- almost always about aesthetics and what it looks like. But uh, for animals, it's just a huge thing when it comes to their health. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, I know often when I get to the vet and I pop one or two of my animals onto the table, I'm greeted with the furry <laughs> brow of the vet, <laughs> you know, and he well, always says, you know, it's quite a heavy cat. Yeah, it's quite a heavy cat. They,
6: they, they tend to be quite um, gentle about it. Yes. Um, it's one of the reasons why we started the competition is because it was a difficult thing. The vets came to us and said, you know, um, it's very difficult to speak to owners about their pet's weight, because mm-hmm. it, often the owner also has the same problem, and it's very difficult. So, uh, we we've helped to train them as well as to how mm-hmm. they need to do it. Um, but to concentrate on the animal itself and the issues that are going to happen with the animal, rather than the fact that it needs to just lose weight because it's fat.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so it's the whole it's it's um, teaching absolutely everything around a holistic approach. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. 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 I um, know. Yeah, I mean, obviously. The first thing I say once I've reached the the, um, the vet's table yeah. when they say your cat, your cat's overweight, I'll say, "Oh well, look at me." Yeah. But I think that happens a lot with owners, then they're not in control of their own eating habits, and they might be giving the animals scraps. And a-
6: absolutely, but I think the other issue is that people don't necessarily see it as overweight. I mean, you know, yeah. you've you've you, we, we, you've obviously seen that it is it is the case, but a lot of people uh, there's a big disconnect between overweight pets and. What people think is is overweight. I mean, if I showed you a, a picture of a dog that was the right weight, even the vets are going to look at it and say mm, that's probably a bit thin. Mm. But actually, it's correct. So our perception of what's normal, or what's what's what it should be, has changed to be a little bit more overweight.
0: Is a photographer, his name eludes me right now, um, he spent a number of months in the Karoo photographing uh, the Africanus dogs yes. who are completely wild. Mm. And um, a lot of people said, my gosh, they're so skinny. Why mm. didn't you save them? Why didn't you <laughs> feed them? Their ribs are sticking out. In the yeah. meantime, they're in their prime fitness. Ab-
6: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've got an Africanus dog who's mm-hmm. clearly not uh, in that condition um, because if they do get fed too much, they, they put on weight. Simple, yeah.
0: yeah. And putting on weight leads to cancer, diabetes.
6: Yeah. So what we found, and it's the same thing in humans, is that um, obesity or, or increased weight uh, increases the amount of of um, free radicals that you have in your body. Um, so, and also a whole lot of hormones that are produced in the body that cause inflammation. So the body sits in a, in a, a continuous state of 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 inflammation. So when we think about something like you know overweight on a joint. Um, there 's too much weight on that joint you're more likely to get osteoarthritis, but at the same time there 's this this inflammatory state which makes it even worse um so all those kind of things um that's that 's beside the point of things like um, you know, difficulty breathing, not being able to move properly, and and one of the biggest things is the the risk of anesthetic risk increases dramatically if they are overweight. So you know they rupture a, a cruciate ligament because they're overweight, and then they have to go and have an operation, and and they're at higher risk of having problems with arth- with the um anesthetic as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we we as humans are around to say, look, I feel terrible, yep, um, yep. I can do something about this, yep. but we are solely responsibility for what our animals and 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 that's
6: you know that's the bad thing and that's the good thing as well just just another thing is is we've also shown that um, uh, and it's a it's a it's a study a scientific study that shows that uh, dogs and cats are happier when they are thin than when they overweight oh, so people go are, are you? too no absolutely no it's true <laughs> and and it is very much so it's it's that yeah. it's that uh, the, those hormones that float around the body when 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 you're overweight it's being imbalanced yeah. really yeah, yeah. so um, I can't even remember what we were talking about. Oh, no, that's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of things that we have to look out yeah. for in terms of medical conditions that, mm-hmm. that come up. With
6: medical s- conditions, but, uh, but but as I say, you know, um, psychological as well is, yeah. is important. Yeah. Um, and they also don't – the bond also breaks down as well because they cannot walk with us properly and they can't play and those kind of things as well. So the human-animal bond also then um, um, has a has a, a breakdown. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're
0: feeling tired and and – and yeah, absolutely, grumpy. and they can be, and
6: they can become aggressive. Yeah. yeah, they can become grumpy. I mean, that, and that's a that's a known um, you know a known fact as well.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm sure that the, the million dollar question you get asked is how do I help? myself when i have multi-pet households right i mean i have four cats yep. two are skinny well maybe not by your <laughs> your standards um, well two compared to the others small, right <laughs> yeah and two are enormous i have yep. a female cat who weighs eight kilograms Ooh, okay she she at her prime she weighed five because okay. she's quite a big cat yeah yeah um you know when i transport her i've got to have her in a big bigger cage than the rest yeah but um she's obviously fat as well and yes. what do i do about the skinny ones
6: Right. So uh, there are some options. There's a, there's a diet that we brought out called metabolic, which is fine for, for normal animals, but also helps um, overweight animals to lose weight. It, the, the, the whole, it, it's still all about energy in and energy out. So if you're putting too much energy in and that not taking that energy out, then they're going to put on weight or keep their weight. A lot of people will say, but I feed so little to my dog and yet it's still overweight. Well, you're not feeding the fat. You're feeding the thin dog that's in the inside. So, mm. so actually you have to cut, you have to go, Below that point, Further, yeah. yeah. So, so this diet essentially changes their metabolism to be more of a fat burner than a fat storer. So, so obesity changes the way our genes are expressed, and and turns us into fat storers. We don't, I include myself here, don't use um, energy like like a thin person would. Mm. So, okay. Um,
0: so, so okay. This year's finalists. Yes. I think. How many are you down to right now and how does the competition work?
6: Okay, so there, there are ten. Um, essentially people go through, through the year, um, and, and join the competition whenever they, they go to a vet and, and get put onto a, the weight program. Um, they can go, there's a, there's a website where, um, the animals, uh, are tracked, um, and there's a whole lot of tips and stuff for, for owners as well, um, called pet slimmer, uh, dot co za. Okay. And that's the competition is called pet slimmer. So, Essentially, from there, people can then upload photos and and then also enter the competition. The competition's more about bringing awareness to the to the thing than than you know it's a beauty contest basically. Yes. <laughs> so um, at this stage, we, then we cut it down to ten. Um, and at the moment, you can go onto that website and go and vote. You've got another seven days to go. Okay. Uh, and you can go and vote for your favourite. You can vote for your favourite five, basically. Yeah. And um, then they will, you know, there'll be a, a winner and so on.
0: So, some of these animals have been really, really, um, medically unfit and very overweight. Correct, yeah. And so, now how they're looking, because we're it, nearing the end of the competition. Yes,
6: yeah. So, so in other words, you know, it's an ongoing thing. So, so there may be animals that are coming in now that are still overweight, but these guys, certainly one of the things we look at is, is have, the, if they've finished their, the uh, their weight loss, that they've ma- managed to maintain that weight loss. Okay. So um, yeah, it, that healthy. is obviously important. It doesn't help to, to yo-yo. And that, that is one of the reasons, uh, metabolic works so well is because it is a maintenance diet. Well, As well and keeps them, cause that's, yo-yoing is a big, is a biggest, uh, is a big issue. Um, yeah. So, yes, th- so these dogs definitely, dogs and, and the one cat, um, definitely have. That's
0: it, it's th- nine dogs and one cat. Nine dogs and one cat, that's
6: it, yeah. <laughs> a little and missy at the end. Shame. And, um, they're, yeah, they're, they're, their lives are much, much better. And if you read any of the, the stories about them, because that's the other good thing about this website, it's got the stories of those animals, and you can read the stories of, of how they've changed. Um, and and as, as you said, the medical conditions have got better.
0: I'm looking at Marley. Marley Dunn, who's a Labrador retriever from Cape Town, mm-hmm. lost 228 Kilograms. Kilograms, yeah. Yep. So this dog went from fifty-five ks to thirty-two point two. Yeah. So that's forty-one
6: percent of body weight. Wow. But again, if you think of your cat, that should go from eight kgs down to four. to four. Yeah, four and a half maybe. Um, that's that's fifty percent of body weight. Yeah, that's true. That's, so she's carrying sixty percent fat. 66 something percent fat. I've noticed she's a <laughs> grumpy lately. I think it's
0: just because she can't jump onto the kitchen counters. Well, this is, this is the
6: thing. And that's one of the, 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 um, the ways that you can separate the thin ones and the fat ones is to ah. feed the thin ones. Uh, you, you, There's various ways. So you yeah. can have a box that's got a, a gap that only the thin ones can get through yes. and they can get to the food, whereas the fat ones can't. Um, or you feed them up on, on a, you know, on a pedestal or somewhere higher. Yeah.
0: Yeah, often I used to think that I wish that I could develop something where there was a chip in their collar and yes. only their bowl would open. and yeah, It had yeah. a lid.
6: Look obviously, we we have that um, at our pet nutrition center where we have you know cats living in in, in, a, in a big area with you know a whole lot of cats together. Yeah. And they can they can they get fed exactly the right amount because they have those little those chips. So Ooh. there is there is such a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It
0: just needs to be made. Cheaper and, and <laughs> yeah, well, <that's laughs> more, the point, more accessible. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah.
6: other way is to is to make them work for their food. So use toys that that dispense food. So you have mm. a little ball that that's got a hole in it, and you fill it up with the food, and the cat has to play with it to get the food to come out. Yeah. So it's it's doing two things. It's keeping giving them some exercise, and also allowing them to their, their hunting instinct um, to 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 kick in. F, you know, hide the food in different places, make them find it. Yeah. Um, so any way you can get them to en- use a little bit more energy is is great.
0: No, I have a miniature pincher who's yep. um rather wider than he is long. Mm-hmm. And um uh, he's been on diets he's lost mm. the weight before, as mm-hmm. you say the key is maintaining it yeah yeah uh, the the thing for an owner is you just feel so sorry for them he he's just seems starving the whole time. <laughs> all he thinks about yeah. is food
6: yeah so so you need to you need to find the correct food that also helps them to uh to 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 suppress the appetite mm. okay, and also you know they they're very good at at uh, at manipulating us so she that dog's found a way to get you to give more food mm. uh, by looking so sad uh but if you give a toy, or you give love, or something else at the same time, then then that uh, that behaviour should go away, and at least they're getting the attention, but they're not getting the food.
0: Okay, good. Well, I'm very, very glad to see that all these animals have lost weight. Obviously, there are a lot of different breeds and that can sometimes be difficult. And also the reason why us humans can't really tell what overweight is. We yeah. d- we, you know, you can see if a human is overweight. We're one kind. Sure. But with, with a ridge back compared to a chihuahua, chihuahua you've got yeah. a problem.
6: Yeah, look, uh, you know, the way you, you obviously, you, you know, you can see the signs. The, the, the easiest way for us to do it is to, to, we feel the ribs. We do a body condition score. That's sort of a, a way to get a general idea. So, it, it is a little bit specialized, but you need to be able to feel over the ribs and feel that just a bit of a layer and you can feel between the ribs. That should okay. be something. Uh, if you go to your vet as well and also as on the side. I site. feel my own ribs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I
0: can feel the indent from my brass track, but that's about it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but then I think, I think go to the vet and ask them to, to, to uh, tell you how to do a body condition score and, okay. and obviously take your pet in for a, for a checkup uh, as to see whether, you know, that, that they should be, um, they are overweight. Vets a lot, Easy, it's a lot easier to talk to them about if you've admitted that the dog is, uh, the animal's overweight. Yeah, her, for so, sure. then. so that's really what it's about. You'll also see that they slow down. I mean, it's a, a lot of dogs, it's obvious that they're overweight. I mean, that, that's, uh, mm. um, but as I say, a lot of people look at it and go, yeah, that's normal. Okay, you know, he's cute and chubby. He's cute and cute. Ca- yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's unhappy. That's the point. Yeah, he's not, he's not a, you know, he's not a happy dog. He's, he's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, they, they, there are various ways of, of doing it and there are different body condition scores. Um, those body condition scores also t- look at, you know, the fat around the tail um and if you look at it, an animal from the side it should have a it should have an, a, a distinct um you know a, a waist yes. um so that that's also something that they should have but difficult in something like a duck or a or a, or a basset to see those things mm-hmm. but that curve know, downwards bunches. in the middle yeah. anyway.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blame yep. it on my bone frame. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy, heavy bones. Yeah. Doctor Guy Fivey, thank you so much for coming in and uh goodness me, you've been on this for years. Um <laughs> and I'm I'm sure that it's it's been quite rewarding for you. So thank you
6: for, for doing what you do. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Ian.
0: Okay, um, if we continue now. The last bit of doggy of doggy style here on Heavy Petting. Um, we've been looking at the world's most intelligent dog breeds, um, and so far we've covered number ten, which was the Australian Cattle Dog. In ninth place, Rottweiler. Eighth place, Papillon. Seventh place, the Labrador Retriever. In number six, the Shetland Sheepdog. Number five, we spoke about last week, the Doberman Pinscher. In fourth place is the Golden Retriever. We've uh, featured the Golden Retriever before, so we won't um, go through the intimate details again of exactly what a Golden Retriever's like, Retriever rather, is like. We know they're intelligent, they're eager to please. Um, we know that they're bred as hunting companions and uh, that they're used in search and rescue operations. Surely you have to be really clever for that. So this week we're on, on to number three now. Um, the third most intelligent dog breed in the world is the German Shepherd. It's the world's leading police, guard, and military dog and a loving family companion and herder. Here's Breed 101.
7: The German Shepherd is a good old-fashioned dog, a dog's dog, a worker. The breed was created by a German soldier, Max von Stefanitz. Did you ever have one of those days when you looked around and wanted to make a change? Well, about 100 years ago, von Stefanitz was having one of those days. He was watching some sheep herders using dogs to herd sheep and decided what the world needed was the perfect dog breed, a super dog, a German shepherd dog. So von Stefanitz started a breeding program using the best shepherd dogs he could find. Within a few years, no well-equipped shepherd would dare leave his house without a German Shepherd dog at his side. Believe it or not, the dogs are still used for herding today, among many other jobs. The German Shepherd's motto might be, Know what your work is and do it. Way back when the breed was developed, Shepherds needed a dog who could do more than push a few sheep around. It had to have a good nose for tracking lost sheep. They needed a dog who could work all day, that was fast, could work independently, but still mind its own. With the courage to fight lions, coyotes, and bears, and the muscle to win that fight. Strong, fierce, gentle, smart, smart, and smart. And that's what they got. Naturally, old Max von Stefanitz was proud of his breed. And in the early 1900s, he formed a club, developed written standards, and started having training contests called Schutzhund. Even today, these contests are held all over the world. Here at the AKC National Show, dogs from American bloodlines are preferred. Everyone has an opinion as to which is best. It breaks down like this. American dogs tend to be more elegant and finely boned. They have steeper back lines and very angled rear legs. Fans of the German bloodline believe these traits are not as functional as the less angled, slightly heavier German dogs. One of the most underrated aspects of the German Shepherd is its gentle side. They're really not that high strung, so despite their size, it's a pretty good house dog. That gentle serving nature is what leads to one of the German Shepherd's most amazing roles, seeing eye dog. It's a case for all the versatile traits, intelligence, loyalty and courage made the breed perfect for a tough task. The German Shepherd's reputation as a police dog is legendary. Once again, the reason is versatility.
3: The German Shepherd may not be the best biting dog there is out there, he may not be the best tracking dog, he may not be the best obedience dog, but there's no dog that will do all three better than a German Shepherd will on average.
0: A little uh, message on um, heavy petting here to through WeChat saying, I'm skeptical of the animal whisperer, and to me there seem to be a little bit of cold reading and use of Barnum statements. And This is from Brad. Brad says, I stand corrected, though, so as long as she can bring comfort to people but doesn't take advantage of them financially, it's cool. Yeah, Brad, this is one of the things that we all think about, um, and I think what's really great um, uh, with Amelia is that she does so much work with, um, animals all around the world and she has an animal charity. She's also gone, going into schools, as mentioned, um, to train children from a young age. So perhaps that balances out our beliefs in the end of the day. Okay. So, um, I was chatting to Lorne Sulkis in Cape Town. He did a number of talks, um, in Cape Town on Africa's three big cats, which are namely the lion, leopard and cheetah. And uh, last week we played a bit of that interview and uh, he focused very much on uh, the leopard, which is a solitary animal. This time we talk a little bit more about lions and how lion type personalities work in the corporate world. Within a, a corporation, you would be able to spark, pardon the pun, the lion of the group or the leopard of the group or the the alpha lion of the group um, or the cheetah
8: well you know Leanne in the talk I talk about all three cats so I have three sort of sections to the talk Okay. the one is about the leopard the other is the cheetah and the last one is the lion so I'm sort of covering all three in the presentation itself and each of those cats has something different to teach us All of the lessons that I've learned from the cats and that I share in my talk are all about how we as both individuals and as teams can be our best, can achieve excellence and true high performance because that's what these cats do. Mm. You know, in in nature, as I say in the talk, there's, there's no room for the weak. The weak don't make it and it has to be all about results. And that's what they can teach us. So they each yeah. teach us something different. The lion, obviously, being a social cat, will teach us a lot about teamwork and about how to synergize and collaborate. Mm. The leopard, as a solitary hunter, teaches us, amongst other things, how to focus on our goals, on individual goals. It can be collective goals, but it teaches us the idea of focus. The cheetah, for example, is much less opportunistic. And the reason for that is that cheetahs hunt by running down their prey on wide open areas and so on wide open areas they have a, a limited stamina mm. they unbelievably fast but only over a finite distance and that distance is relatively short and so they have to be much more selective about when to expend that energy because it's all about energy expenditure and return on the investment yeah and so they're much more selective, very, very careful. But the result is that of the three cats, the cheetah is the most efficient and the most productive hunter. 80% of the charges that cheetah starts will result in a kill. Whereas lions, they've got a, high they've got a very high success rate. But that's because they make the time count. So that's a lesson that we can learn yeah. from the cheetah is that mm. you know, a lot of times in, in corporate situations people are kind of marking time. Mm. They're going through the motions and they're not necessarily making the time count.
0: If you were if you were in a corporate situation, which of the three animals would you be?
8: You know, that's a difficult question. That's a hard one. I think you know I, I think that the elements that I teach of each of all three would would come into play. I, I don't and you've think got the
0: advantage of having known all three mm, types mm. of behavior and and what works and what
8: doesn't Well, you see it's it's funny because I uh, about a year ago I was thinking of changing the name of my talk to a nice pun skinning the cat. The inference being that there are lots of different ways to succeed yes. There's not just one way. And so, you know, I think it would be dangerous to say, well, you can just be a leopard. Okay. Because in the corporate environment, you know, you are surrounded by people. And many times, if you're in a job situation, you are working in a team. And so, yes, there absolutely are lessons we can learn from the solitary leopard. But we've got to understand that we're part of a team. And so, what are lions doing that we can learn from? Yeah, because do they,
0: they work as a team. Exactly. A little bit about animals who are in the news this week. Now Google Street View has taken to the deserts of the United Arab Emirates and is using... Camels instead of its traditional car to put a camera onto the back of and navigate the potentially hostile terrain uh, sounds pretty perfect. Camel walking around doing his daily thing, um, you know. Obviously, they are led around by other human beings, and um, a lot of these areas are inaccessible by even the best jeeps in the world. Um, and obviously, animal rights activists like Peter saying that this is not something that should be done. Well, let's hear from Buzz Sixty.
9: Google Maps, it can do way more than give you directions home. Hi guys, I'm TC Newman for Buzz60 and Google Maps Street View is going off-road giving people breathtaking views of a Middle Eastern desert oasis by strapping a trucker camera on a camel. That's right, this imagery is brought to you by Camel Cam. The Street View team was able to get stunning pictures of the Liwa Oasis without disrupting the fragile desert environment. The Liwa Oasis is one of the southernmost inhabited points in the United Arab Emirates and is home to date farms and has a growing economy from tourism with several four- and five-star resorts. If the desert isn't your thing, the team from Street Views already mapped out other exotic locations. How about a trip down the Colorado River, an exploration of the Pyramids of Giza, a visit to the Taj Mahal, or a scuba diver's dream, the Australian Great Barrier Reef? Google Maps, way better than a passport. The 16, now you know. Pass it on.
0: And lastly, here on Heavy Petting for the day, a pet parrot that spoke with a British accent when it disappeared from its home four years ago has been reunited with its owner. Unbelievable story, fantastic. However, the bird now speaks Spanish. Hmm, let's see how that happened.
6: How does a
7: parrot go from, Hello, governor, to, Hola, amigo. Darren Chick's long-lost, now bilingual pet parrot Nigel did just that. The African gray parrot originally spoke with Chick's polished British accent.
9: Uh, bring us a mash.
7: Nigel disappeared from Chick's home in Torrance, California back in 2010. Julissa Sperling, owner of Happy Tales Dog Spa, found the bird and was charmed by the bird's ability to speak Spanish. Capaso? Uh, Sperling contacted a local veterinarian who traced the microchipped bird back to its original owner. The Spanish-speaking parrot initially bit Chick and kept mentioning some guy named Larry. How Nigel survived and picked up Spanish remains a mystery. And who the heck is Larry?
0: Estoy crudo. And that wraps it up for Heavy Petting this week on Cliff Central. Um, uh, we will be back next week, and it will be the last Heavy Petting show. Um, I know that Cliff Central are looking at getting studios all over the country, so um, it may not all come to an end. Um, we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'm going to focus on settling down a little bit in Cape Town and finding out what animals I can find for you there. I'll be taking my own animals too, um, which is quite a process. We'll be speaking about that a little bit next week, and... Um, Hopefully that uh, it will go smoothly
1: and uh, we'll chat to you next week. That's heavy petting. every Wednesday at 10 until 11, right here on Cliff Central.